Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull and Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull and Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull and Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable. Bull and Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bull and Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code Ben at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Ben. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. I'm back from vacation. We're here to break down the Democratic race. Justin Amash's GOP exit and border politics. So much to talk about. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So the vacation was great. Thanks for asking. Also, I will explain to you. I I do have to note really quick off the top. I definitely picked the right week to leave California. So that was great. I left right during the earthquakes, coordinated with God. God and I are like this, guys. I mean, and it was just, it was great. So now we're back and we got to jump in. So let's jump into the news. Here is the news. Joe Biden is dropping like a stone in the polls. Now, the polls are all over the place a little bit with regard to who is currently in second place. Basically, it is Joe Biden still at the top. And then there is a bunching of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris, all of whom are within basically a percentage point, according to the real clear politics average. But Biden has dropped precipitously from a month ago. A month ago, he was up in the mid 30s, close to 40 percent, according to most of the polls. And in every single poll now, he is dropping below 30 percent, except for a Hill poll about a week old. So here are the last several polls for Joe Biden. CNN has him at 22. The Hill has him at 33. Quinnipiac has him at 22. ABC has him at 30. The Economist has him at 23. Okay, so he is somewhere between, I think it is safe to say, somewhere between 20 and 30. Okay, that, that is probably where he is. He's probably in the mid-20s somewhere by these polls. According to the Real Clear Politics average, he's currently at 26%. Where it gets interesting is who's in second place. So there are a bevy of polls that are all mixed up as to who is in second place. So according to CNN, Kamala Harris has jumped into second place with 17% of the vote. That poll was taken pretty much directly after the last debate. She may have receded a little bit since then. The latest poll is coming courtesy of The Economist and YouGov, and that came maybe three days ago. That showed that Joe Biden was at 23%, followed by Elizabeth Warren at 19%, which would be a massive jump for Elizabeth Warren. And that's a big difference between that and the Hill poll, which has her at 9%, so a 10-point spread there, followed by Kamala Harris at 15, followed by Bernie Sanders at 9, which would be a precipitous drop-off for Bernie Sanders, and put him basically in Pete Buttigieg, territory. Buttigieg's big boost still has not come. So Buttigieg, for all the talk about he's raised an enormous amount of money and he's super talented in debate and all of this, he's cracked 10% in approximately one poll in the last two months. So he is not anywhere close to the top of that field. He's really in a solid fourth place. But it's really a question as to who is second. So according to The Economist, Elizabeth Warren is in second. According to ABC, Bernie Sanders is still in second with 19%. And according to Quinnipiac, Kamala Harris is in second with 20%. So we really have no idea how the second kind of tier of the field is doing. What we do know is that Joe Biden has been sliding. And Joe Biden has been sliding because, as I have predicting, been predicting 
since weeks before Joe Biden jumped into the race. His first day was going to be his best day. And the reason for that is twofold. One, Joe Biden gaffs all the time. He gaffs all the time. He's a bad presidential candidate. He was a bad presidential candidate in 1988. He was a bad presidential candidate in 2008. He is a bad presidential candidate. And he keeps saying things that get him into trouble. That is problem number one for him. And that is a Joe Biden specific problem. If Joe Biden had discipline, he wouldn't be in that much trouble. If Joe Biden were anodyne, he wouldn't be in that much trouble. If Joe Biden were boring, he wouldn't be in that much trouble. But he's not. He says things on a routine basis where he sticks his foot so far down his own throat that it ends up lodged in his esophagus and he has to have a minor surgery in order to remove it each and every time. And with every minor surgery, he loses a fair amount of political blood. That is problem number one for Joe Biden. Problem number two for Joe Biden is not really a Joe Biden problem. It is a modern American politics problem. And that is Joe Biden has been in politics for a very long time. We live in an era where the best thing to be is a cipher. The best thing to be in American politics is somebody that nobody knows where you stand. Nobody knows what you would do. Nobody knows what your record is. In this way, Donald Trump really was a cipher. Donald Trump, when he ran in 2016, everybody knew his personality and his personality was outsized. He was a big TV star, but nobody knew where he was politically. He had taken every position on the map. He had suggested he was for Canadian-style universal health care, but he was against Obamacare. He had suggested that he was both for gun control and against gun control. He had suggested for a while that he was pro-choice, and then he became pro-life. So he was all over the place, and nobody really knew where he stood, including me, which is why I estimated that he would probably be more to the left than he ended up being. He's been a very conservative president in terms of most of his policies. Well, the best thing to be in American politics is a person with no record, because if you have a record, if you've said things before, that means that people can attack you on those things. And this has been where Joe Biden is. Now, it is also that record that means that Americans are comfortable with him. So the strongest point for Joe Biden is also his weakest point. The fact that Joe Biden was vice president for eight years, the fact that Joe Biden has been in the Senate since 1732, since before the Senate existed, since Cato, right, that, that, that is both his benefit, because we are all comfortable with Joe Biden, we all kind of know who Joe Biden is, it is also his detriment, because it means that he has voted for things, and that he has said things, and that he has debated things. He's actually had to take positions on policy. The best thing to be is somebody who's never had to take a position. Barack Obama never had to vote on the Iraq War, because he didn't enter the, the United States Senate until 2006. There are just too many members of the Democratic Party race right now who don't have a record they've actually had to vote on things. They've gotten to vote against things, which is a nice, convenient place to be. But if you're in the Senate for a long period of time, that means your name is on legislation. It means that you may have backed things that were necessary in 1994, a.k.a. the criminal reform bill, the crime, the crime bill. And then those become unpopular over time. Maybe it means that you've had to work with senators who are really nasty people, as Joe Biden did 30 years ago. All of that can be dredged up against you, whereas if you are Kamala Harris and you joined the United States Senate in the last five minutes and you joined the United States Senate at a time where you didn't have to vote on any major policy proposals except to say no to Donald Trump, well, that means that things are pretty convenient for you. So Joe Biden, he's comfortable. The American people feel comfortable with him. It's why he, in general, in, in sort of the general polling, the general election polling, Joe Biden is far and away the strongest candidate against Donald Trump because he has that record, because people are comfortable with him. In those polls, Joe Biden is consistently running above 50 percent. There is not another Democrat in the field who is running above 50 percent. Every other Democrat is basically running dead even with Donald Trump. Joe Biden is running like 10 points ahead. And then every other Democrat is running within spitting distance of Donald Trump, including Kamala Harris, who's running basically an even race with Donald Trump at this point, which you would assume means that Trump wins. Because this will be the point where people are most positive about Kamala Harris 
not the point at which they're most negative about Kamala Harris. So the best candidate for Democrats in a general election is precisely the candidate who is also most vulnerable in a primary. And we're going to get to Joe Biden's kind of bifurcated candidacy and why in a general election he'd look good right now. But in a primary, he looks really bad right now. Why you'd want to sell Joe Biden if you were in the Joe Biden stock market, if you're in the presidential stock market. We'll get to that in just a second. First, I'm a huge baseball fan, you know, like a nut about baseball. In fact, I even wrote a book with my dad about the Chicago White Sox winning the World Series. I know, for all seven White Sox fans. Baseball is the best. And in baseball, like in any sport, there is nothing as exciting as a fantastic rivalry. In fact, the White Sox and the Cubs played over the weekend. My White Sox split with the Cubs in the total series, 62-60 White Sox. But there is a new show, a new podcast. It's from Wondery, and it's called Sports Wars. This is truly awesome. It tells the stories of some of the greatest sports rivalries of all time. They've got Brett Favre versus Aaron Rodgers, Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer, which is one of my favorite sports rivalries. Nadal dominates Federer head-to-head, but Federer is the better overall player. Former NBA stars like Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan basically militated to keep Isaiah Thomas off the dream team. Even teammates like Shaq and Kobe will have to see if LeBron and Anthony Davis develop that sort of rivalry. Their upcoming series over at Wondery on college football rivalries will cover Oklahoma versus Texas and Georgia versus Florida. The rivalries get pretty wild and insane. Listen to Sports Wars right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Again, go check out Sports Wars. It really is awesome. It's a fun break from politics and it's informative and cool. Go check it out. Sports Wars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Okay, so Joe Biden's candidacy for a general election looks good. For a primary, it looks really bad. So here is general election Joe Biden. And this is exactly the sort of stuff he will be attacked on in a primary. So Joe Biden was asked about decriminalizing border crossing. The Democratic Party in this primary is running headlong for a cliff. They're embracing every far left position they can get their hands on. It's truly incredible. In the last debate, virtually every Democrat pledged to decriminalize border crossing. Now, what would that do? It would actually encourage people to cross the border illegally, not at ports of entry. It is not illegal to cross the American border at a port of entry and claim asylum. You do not have to be an illegal immigrant. It is illegal to claim asylum falsely. But if you walk across a border port of entry and then you claim asylum, not only is that not illegal, it is purely legal and you could be given citizenship on the basis of your asylum claim. What is illegal is to try and swim the Rio Grande. We don't want people doing that because it's very dangerous. We don't want people doing that because we do not have proper policing along our 2,000 mile border with Mexico. But every Democrat, except for Joe Biden now, has basically come out and said they want to decriminalize border crossing. Now, what would that mean? It would mean that when you pick people up and they claim asylum, instead of you being able to detain them for illegally crossing the border, you'd be forced to catch and release them pretty much immediately. You'd pretty much be forced to allow them to be released into the general population into the United States instead of being deported for the simple crime of crossing the border illegally. They would make it the same as crossing a border point of entry. Now, if you want more dead people floating down the Rio Grande, Makes perfect sense. You want more people crossing that desert and trying to cross through an area that is unguarded because if they are ever caught in the United States, they can say, listen, I didn't, my entry wasn't illegal. So now I'm claiming asylum and I can live here for years and years and years. That is bad policy. Joe Biden knows it's bad policy. He says it's bad policy. This is why in a general election, he'd be much more dangerous to President Trump than any of the other Democrats. It's also why the Democrats will slaughter him over this sort of stuff. You have people who are running close to you now who are saying, decriminalize coming into the country illegally. Do you believe that should be decriminalized? No, I don't. No, I don't. I think people should have to get in line. But if people are coming because they're actually seeking asylum, they should have a chance to make their case. I would be surging 
as we did, and Barack and I did, surging folks to the border to make those concrete decisions. Okay, this is the correct answer in a general election. It is the wrong answer in primary. Here's another one. Here's Joe Biden talking about keeping your health insurance. So in a general election, this is obviously necessary. Suggesting to 177 million Americans they're going to lose their private health insurance, as Kamala Harris has now done and then undone and then done and then undone and then done. Right? She, she switched her position on this no less than five times in the past three weeks. Joe Biden's been consistent. He says, listen, you're going to get to keep your insurance. Maybe we'll have a public option, which would be a bad idea. But this is a palatable pitch to Americans. If you think that Donald Trump can't run on, the Democrats want to take away your health insurance, you're out of your mind. There's a strong general election pitch from Joe Biden. It is not strong enough for the Democratic primary. Here's Joe Biden. We're in a situation where if you provide an option for anybody who, in fact, wants to buy into Medicare for all, they can buy in. They buy in and they can do it. But if they like their employer based insurance, which a lot of unions broke their neck to get, a lot of people like their, they shouldn't have to give it up. The flip of that is if you don't go my way you ha- and you go their way, you have to give up all that. And what's going to happen when you have 300 million people landing on a health care plan? How long is that going to take? What's it going to do? Okay, exactly right. Exactly right. I have found myself a Joe Biden defender in this Democratic primary simply because all the other Democrats are out of their damned minds. And it's why Joe Biden would do well in a general election. But this is not going to avail him at all because he is at war with the heart and soul of his party. This is how you end up with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi as the new moderates in the Democratic Party. That's how crazy these folks have gone. Here is Joe Biden going after Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, suggesting that she is too radical for the party, which, of course, she is. By the way, I will mention here, AOC, my goodness, that is a person who does not know anything about anything. I mean, really does not know. Listen, it's my first day back. It's obligatory that I mention AOC. But in this context, she really messed her pants over the weekend. I mean, she... (laughs) President Trump apparently referred to her as Evita Perone in a new book that's set to go on sale in mid-July. He compared her to Eva Perone. Okay, and Ocasio-Cortez then took that comparison as a compliment. Okay, <laughs> she then tweeted out a quote from Eva Perone. Okay, he, and, and she tweeted out a quote from Evita Perone. I know that, like every woman of the people, I have more strength than I appear to have. There's only one problem. Eva Perón was a Nazi sympathizer who seized Jewish property in exchange for Nazis being able to settle in Argentina and help destroy the Argentine economy. But sure, I mean, I guess that's AOC if AOC wants it. God, she is so, she's so stupid. So, so when Joe Biden attacks AOC or when Nancy Pelosi attacks AOC, it is perfectly fitting. Unfortunately for them, that is not going to play in the Democratic Party primaries. Okay, we'll get to that in just one second. First, let me tell you something. When I love an advertiser's product so much that I actually go out and I buy one myself as a gift for one of my relatives, that means that I really love it. That is the case with Helix Sleep Mattresses. I will tell you this. I went on vacation. I slept all right. I came back home last night, got on that Helix Sleep Mattress. I was out like a light because Helix Sleep Mattresses are the best. They have a quiz. It takes just two minutes to complete. They match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. No matter how you sleep, on your side, on your back, hot sleeper, whatever, Helix can make what your body needs. Just go to helixsleep.com Ben. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And for couples, Helix can even split that mattress down the middle, providing individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. They have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it. 
but that's not going to happen. You're going to love the mattress. Helix is offering up to 125 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 125 bucks off right now at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben for up to 125 bucks off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Ben. Once more, helixsleep.com slash Ben and get up to 125 bucks off your mattress order. Go check it out right now. Okay, so Biden goes after AOC. And he suggests that AOC is too radical for the party and basically she won a primary, which, of course, is exactly right. How do you convince the party that these more advanced ideas like all in on Medicare for all that matter to them? They're popular in the party. Well, by the way, watch. That's what this election is about. I'm really I'm happy to debate that issue and all those issues with my friends, because guess what? Again, look who won the races. Look who won. Last time out, we had. And by the way, I think I, I think Ocasio-Cortez is a brilliant, bright woman, but she won a primary there in the general election fights. Who won? OK, so Joe Biden is correct about everything there except her being a brilliant, bright woman. That, that of course, is wildly untrue. But Biden knows that he's not allowed to just say the truth, which is she's embarrassing to every Democrat who has two brain cells to rub together. Finally, Biden is getting frustrated. So Biden is getting frustrated because he understands he's the best general election candidate. And so he's basically threatening other Democrats. Listen, guys, you're coming after me. I could roast you. I could roast you alive. Now, this sort of aggressive language would play well in a general against Donald Trump, who's also very aggressive. In a primary, it looks as though he's a bully. It's so easy to go back and go back 30, 40, 50 years and take a context and take it completely out of context. And I mean, you know, I... I get all this information about other people's past and what they've done and not done. And, you know, I'm just not going to go there. If we keep doing that, that's, I mean, what we should be debating, what we do from here. For example, this whole thing about race and busing. Well, you know, I think if you take a look, our positions aren't any different, as we're finding out. Um, Senator Harris, who said she sees it as a tool, not a must in all circumstances. Yeah, well, (laughs) look at my record. Okay, and Joe Biden is laughing there because he is correct, but this is the point. This is the point. He had to vote on forced busing. He said no. Kamala Harris has never had to vote on the issue. And so here is the problem. He's got a record, and that's what he's pointing out. He says, listen, I wasn't prepared for the debate attack, which is inexcusable. It's inexcusable that he wasn't prepared for that attack, considering that Senator Cory Booker had been attacking him on basically the same stuff the week before. But I I think Biden really was unprepared for the attack. I think that Biden thought, that this was going to be everybody treating each other decently. Everybody was going to be nice to him. He was going to be nice to everybody. They were all going to run against Donald Trump. And that's not the case. He's been ripped down because the same stuff that makes him attractive in a general election makes him wildly unattractive in a primary. Here's Joe Biden saying he wasn't prepared for the debate attack. And that's why he's probably not going to be the nominee, guys. They're going to come after you. Sure, they're going to come after you. Were you prepared for them to come after you? I was prepared for them to come after me, but I wasn't prepared for the person coming at me the way she came out. She knew Bo. She knows me. I don't, well, anyway, I, but here's the deal. What I do know, and it's the good and the bad news, the American people think they know me and they know me. Okay, and again, that is the, the bad news for Joe Biden and the good news for Joe Biden because Joe Biden is going to be forced to back away and back away and back away. That record means he's going to have to keep backing away. So, for example, over the weekend, he apologized for his remarks on segregationists. This is such a mistake for him. It's a mistake because his remarks on segregationists were not pro-segregation. He said these people were mean and they were nasty, but sometimes you have to make deals with mean, nasty people in the Senate. Everybody understood that, except for people who cynically took him out of context. Joe Biden instead decided to apologize for all of this, which just opened up a new line of attack from Democrats who said, well, you know, 
He should have apologized for this before, except secretly he's a racist. This is the routine now, is that Joe Biden, who is Barack Obama's VP for eight years, and the media never discovered that he was a secret Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan member. Apparently he is. He apologized for his remarks on segregationists over the weekend. Was I wrong a few weeks ago to somehow give the impression to people that I was praising those men who I successfully opposed time and again? Well, yes, I was. I regret it. And I'm sorry for any of the pain or misconception they may have caused anybody. Okay, the fact that, that Joe Biden is out there apologizing, he is in such trouble and his people when I say his people, I mean his friends, his allies. They are not coming to his defense. And the chief allies that matter here are the Obamas. Barack Obama has been absolutely silent. Now, it's not as though Barack Obama has to endorse Joe Biden this early in the primary season. He doesn't have to. Although, the truth is that very often, presidents do endorse their vice presidential candidates very, very early on. But, put that aside, Obama doesn't actually have to endorse him. What he does have to do as a decent human being, is come out and say, listen, I know Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not a racist. These attacks are unfair. Obama's not doing it, which is an amazing, amazing thing. Michelle Obama, who knows Joe Biden, she refused to come out and help Joe Biden out. So she was asked about Biden, and she just basically let it go. She let it go, because more important for Michelle and Barack Obama to keep their credentials in order with the far left than it is for them to defend somebody that they know and supposedly love. So here's Michelle Obama absolutely undercutting Joe Biden when asked about this stuff. What, if anything, would you like to say about the Kamala Biden dust-up? He apologized today. You've been following that. Do you have any thoughts about that? I do not. Okay. Let me ask this. Moving on. I've been... Moving I've been, on. I've been doing this rodeo far too long. Yeah, moving on. Moving it's on. Like, and no comments. Yeah, move, move on. And no comment works, too. And no it comment, does. by the way, is a complete sentence. Wow. All she has to do right there is say, I like both Senator Harris and Joe Biden, and I know that Joe Biden is not a racist. That's all that she has to say, and she won't do it. She won't do it. The Obamas are happy to see Joe Biden go down, and this is the problem for Joe Biden. Now, meanwhile, the attacks on Joe Biden are incredibly cynical. Now, I pointed this out after the debate between what was effectively Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Nothing else that happened in that debate has any lasting impact or anything that matters. Kamala Harris attacked Joe Biden on his stance on federally mandated forced busing, which is one of the great policy fails in modern American history. She attacked his stance on that. And I said at the time, this is a cynical attack because Kamala Harris does not believe herself in forced busing. She's just doing this to imply that Biden is a racist without any evidence that Joe Biden is a racist. It turns out, guess who is right? That's right. He's got two thumbs. He's giving thumbs up right now. And they're pointing directly at that guy. I was right about this because Kamala Harris was being incredibly cynical. Now, I'm going to get to that in just a second. So first of all, Kamala Harris is trying to run as the as the most effective candidate for black Americans in this race. Very early on, it was clear that this is what her candidacy had to be. Cory Booker is also trying to wrest this title from her. Joe Biden is running basically even with folks like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren among white voters, but he is running way ahead of them among black voters. Kamala Harris is trying to carve into that lead among black voters. And what she is finding is that she has a fairly large problem here because Joe Biden's black vote share is still extraordinarily high. So in the latest YouGov poll, for example, black voters were split 36 to 13 between Biden and Harris. But those polls are all over the place. The Quinnipiac poll, which had Biden narrowly leading Harris overall, also had him narrowly leading Harris among black voters, 31 to 27 percent. CNN 
had a 25 to 19 percent split among non-white respondents. Reuters and Ipsos found that Biden's black support had been cut in half. So Kamala Harris is trying to carve into that by claiming alternatively that Joe Biden is actually a secret racist. And also, at the, she says, I'm not saying that. She's totally saying that. And she's, she's lying. She says, all I'm not saying Joe Biden is a racist. But as your grandmother always told you, whatever happens in a sentence before but doesn't matter. When she says Joe Biden isn't a racist, but he keeps complimenting segregationists and he didn't support forced busing. What she's really saying is that secretly down deep, he's got racial animus for black folks. Simultaneously, Kamala Harris is trying to pose as some sort of civil rights warrior, despite the fact that Kamala Harris is not old enough to be a civil rights warrior. Kamala Harris is now citing her record as being a school child who was in an integrated, an already integrating district in Berkeley, by the way. It was already well, being well integrated before Kamala Harris was really around in Berkeley. But when you were seven, you didn't have all that much impact on local policy, as it turns out. Well, Kamala Harris is now likening herself to Rosa Parks, to Rosa Parks. Here is what she says. How Kamala Harris is like Rosa Parks is beyond me. She has no record that suggests Rosa Parks. She has no record that suggests civil rights hero. Nonetheless, this is her shtick. The fight of black women has always been fueled and grounded in faith and in the belief of what is possible. We have always built the future that we can see and believe in and fight for. And that's why Sir Joner spoke. It's why May flew. It's why Rosa and Claudette sat. It's why Maya wrote. It's why Fanny organized. It's why Shirley ran. And why I stand here as a candidate for president of the United States. She's in the long line of all of these people, except for how Barack Obama was already president of the United States and, you know, was black and all of that. Kamala Harris is just like all of these people. How? I mean, I guess she's she's black, too. So I guess that, that that's the commonality. But what in her record suggests that she is a civil rights hero like any of the people that she just mentioned? Not a thing. But that's her campaign. We'll get to more of that in just one second. First, if you've ever gone shopping for shaving products, you know that it's hard to tell which ones are actually worth the money. There are a lot a lot of options. This is why Bernie Sanders thinks there are too many deodorant options. But this is where Dollar Shave Club helps make your life easier. They take out the guesswork and they guarantee you quality shaving products. I know because Dollar Shave Club has all the stuff that I need when I get ready each morning to come into work. Dollar Shave Club has you covered head to toe. They have everything you need for showering, shaving, styling your hair, brushing your teeth. Stay fully stocked. Get what you want whenever you need it, whether that's once a month or a few times a year. As a Dollar Shave Club member, I know what I'm getting is the highest quality because I've used all their products. They're really fantastic. No more walking through the aisle at the store wondering what it is that I want. No more going to the store at all. Right now, you can put the quality of Dollar Shave Club's products to the test. Their ultimate starter sets have basically everything you need for an amazing shower, close shave, or clean teeth. The best part is you can try each one for just five bucks. After that, the restock box ships regular-sized products at regular prices. Get your ultimate starter set for just five bucks at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. That is dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben, and you can get that ultimate, dollar, uh, that ultimate starter set for just five bucks at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Honestly, their products are just amazing. Go check them out right now, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Okay, so Kamala Harris is running on the dual program of Joe Biden is a secret racist, and I'm a civil rights hero. None of those two things are true. And she is so cynical. She is so manipulative. I, mean, I object to this on a moral level, on a, on a real moral level. What Kamala Harris is doing to Joe Biden here is disgusting. 
And again, I'm not a Joe Biden defender. I don't think that Joe Biden is any great shakes as a politician. I've opposed him politically my entire career. I think that he's been wrong on 98% of all the things he has ever said. The only stuff he has ever said right is the stuff where he has pointed out that his colleagues are too far to the left. That's it. But what Kamala Harris is doing here is deeply cynical and gross. So here is Kamala Harris saying yesterday, well, you know, Biden hasn't apologized yet. He hasn't, he hasn't agreed that opposing busing was wrong. Now, Kamala Harris does not, does not support busing. She has the exact same position on federally mandated forced busing that Joe Biden had. The exact same position. In fact, let's start with that clip. Here's Harris saying that she'd consider but not mandate busing. Now, I asked this question after the debate, and people got uptight with me, and I said it. As the debate was happening, I tweeted out, Kamala Harris does not support forced busing. She is ripping Joe Biden for not supporting a policy that no one supports in the United States. Nobody in the United States, black or white, is seriously in favor of taking children and busing them across county lines to encourage the quote-unquote proper racial mix of children in particular schools. No one is in favor of that policy because it was an enormous fail when it was tried in the 1970s as well as the 1980s. Federally mandated forced busing was one of the most divisive and terrible pieces of federal policy devised in the last half century. It was a very, very bad piece of policy, which is why it wasn't supported by something like 80% of Americans. It led to tremendous unintended consequences, like vast amounts of white flight outside of major integrated cities. It led to the devastation of tax bases. It led to the starting of charter schools and private schools. It led to a less integrated public school system overall. That's what forced busing did, which is why I said, if Kamala Harris supports forced busing, let's hear her plan. Let's hear her make the case. Well, she was finally asked. I said, why doesn't anyone in the media ask her about this? Because it's obvious what she's going to say. Now, her, her spokesperson, Ian Sams, originally said that she did support federally mandated forced busing. And then Kamala Harris reversed herself. She said, yeah, I'd consider, but I wouldn't mandate busing, which is exactly what Joe Biden had said. Busing is a tool among many that should be considered when we um, address the issue, which is a very current issue as well as a past issue, of desegregation in America's schools. So I think of busing as being in the toolbox of what is available and what can be used for the goal of desegregating America's schools. She is completely full of crap. When people say things like, I think that deserves a conversation, what a politician is really saying is, no, I don't think it deserves a conversation. It's not my policy. When somebody says, how do you feel about X? And the politician says, we should have a conversation. What the politician actually means is, don't really want to have a conversation about that because I don't support it. But I'm going to give you the sop of saying that we should have a conversation about this. Ian Sams, a, on July 4th, tweeted out, she absolutely believes the federal government was right to step in in the 60s and 70s, but surely we can all agree 2019 is not 1975. Okay, except for the fact that if you actually look at the racial segregation statistics, de facto, not de jure, not enforced by law, but de facto, racial segregation in America's schools today is as bad as it was during the 1980s. It's in fact worse than it was during the late 1980s. So what he's saying just doesn't hold. So Kamala Harris has the exact same position as Joe Biden, the exact same position. But that didn't stop Kamala Harris from attacking Joe Biden over federally mandated busing and suggesting that Biden is closet in closet fashion a racist for not having supported the exact same policies she currently opposes back in the 1970s. Well, sadly, we do not agree. I've asked him and have yet to hear him agree that busing that was court ordered and mandated in most places 
um, and in that era in which I was bust, was necessary. And he has yet to agree that his position on this, which was to work with segregationists and oppose busing, was wrong. Period. Okay, so I guess her new case is that if you have the same position in 1975 that she has today, then that means that you were a racist in 75, but today she is not a racist because apparently things have progressed so far, except for the fact that if you look at the actual integration statistics in America's public schools, they look about the same as they did 35 years ago. So what she's saying right now makes no sense. I mean, it makes no sense, but it is cynical. And that's the point. She's a deeply cynical politician. Her attacks on on Biden are really cynical, but they're going to work because the media refuse to drill down on this. They refuse to drill down and ask her specifically the question that I am currently asking. If you say things have radically changed since the 1970s, explain how, based on the integration statistics, the de facto integration statistics in America's public schools, explain. And then explain why federally mandated forced busing was bad policy, is bad policy today, but it wasn't bad policy in 1978. Explain. Nobody will ask her that question. And if they do, 10 points to them. I will be shocked. Okay, more of this in just one second. We'll get to more of Kamala Harris pandering, and then we'll get to the other candidates who are desperately trying to gain attention in what is turning quickly into a two-person race. But first, I'm too busy to go to the post office. The last time I went, I got a giant parking ticket because in Los Angeles, nothing works. Los Angeles is a hellhole, except for the area of the LA government that gives parking tickets. Those suckers, I mean, they are just so efficient. No more of this. When I need to mail something, I use stamps.com because it's fast and it's easy. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Office directly to your computer. Whether you're a small office sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. It is that simple. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp, up to 40% off priority mail, which is a hell of a deal. Over 700,000 small businesses, including Daily Wire, already use stamps.com. Right now, my listeners get a special offer. It includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Shapiro. That is stamps.com. Enter Shapiro. Go check us out right now. Stamps.com. Enter Shapiro. Okay, so in just a second, we're going to get to Kamala Harris's latest proposal to drive her to the top of the Democratic primaries. Shock, it's a giveaway. But first, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. Do it right now, $9.99 a month or $99 a year. This makes a fantastic gift right here. You see this? This leftist here is hot or cold tumbler. I know. You've been missing me talking about it for a week. But we're back now, and it's incredible. And you could have been holding this sort of joy to get you over the Shapiro-less week if only you had subscribed for $99 a year. There are all sorts of wonderful things that you get with the subscription. You get two additional hours of the show every single day because we are working hard once again. Also, you get access to Daily Wire Backstage, asking us questions, being part of my mailbag. You get to be part of the, the Q&As that we do on a fairly frequent basis here at Daily We have all sorts of goodies that you get. You get our Sunday special on Saturdays. We have a bunch of great Sunday specials that are coming up. I'm really excited to share them with you. All that stuff you get when you subscribe. So $99 a year, get this. Get the annual subscription with the Tumblr because it is indeed terrific. Go check that out right now. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So the new Democratic plan from Kamala Harris to win her the primaries is a giveaway. So we, we basically have a giveaway competition. It's a used car salesman competition in the Democratic Party. 
The whole thing's a lemon, but they're going to sell it to you as a low, low price. There's a great old politically incorrect movie with, with Kurt Russell called Used Cars about a battle between two used car salesmen and their various lots. And that's what the Democratic Party has become. They're going to blow the bleep out of high prices. This is, this is what they have become. And so Kamala Harris is going to sell, sell, sell. You got Bernie Sanders selling you free college tuition and relieving your student debt. You have Elizabeth Warren declaring that everything will be free. And now you have Kamala Harris, who's specifically making a tailored pitch directly for black folks, saying that she wants to spend $100 billion to increase minority homeownership. She said, we must right the wrong after generations of discrimination give black families a real shot at homeownership. Historically, one of the most powerful drivers of wealth in our country. Her plan calls for $100 billion in housing and urban development grants to provide homeowners or homebuyers who rent or live in historically redlining communities where minority and home and business owners were largely blocked from accessing capital for investment up to a $25,000 down payment in assistance and closing costs. So here is the problem. Back in the late 1990s, there was something that we tried. It was a program in which the federal government decided that it would help sponsor what we called subprime mortgages. These were mortgages that went to people who did not have a borrowing history, a credit history that would allow them to get a loan. And we made it very easy for those folks to get federally subsidized loans because we felt that we were trying to right the wrongs of redlining. There was only one problem with this. It turns out that you still have to pay the mortgage on the home. So if you give somebody a loan at a, at a variable interest rate, and over time, the person is unable to pay the loan, they couldn't get the loan, supposedly because of redlining, but then they got the loan and then they defaulted. Over time, as more and more of those homes defaulted, it tended to provide a drag on the American real estate market. And all those loans were collateralized because everybody assumed that they were going to be picked up by the federal government in the end anyway. And they were sliced and diced. They were created into derivative products. They were sold throughout the market. And then in 2000, 2008, you may recall, there was this thing that happened where the entire world economy crashed. It was really bad. I was there. You're probably there too. A lot of that was driven by terrible American housing policy that was driven toward increasing levels of minority homeownership. Now listen, I want everyone to be able to buy a home. I want everyone to be able to afford to buy a home. I own my own home. I think it is wonderful to own your own home. I do think that part of the American dream is being able to work hard enough to afford to own your own home. You also have to be able to pay off the loans. If the idea is that what is standing between home ownership and minority communities today is redlining, well, then you'd have federal lawsuits on your hands, wouldn't you? I mean, that's illegal. You can't do it. So what exactly is Kamala Harris suggesting? Is she suggesting that redlining is still keeping black people from getting loans? If that's the case, then she should provide the proof. If that's not the case, then she should explain how the American taxpayer ought to be on the hook for a bunch of loans, many of which will probably go belly up because a $25,000 down payment in assistance and closing costs is not going to cover a home loan. In most parts of the United States, that is not going to cover the difference between somebody making their loan and not making their loan. So she's proposing a cynical bill that is, again, going to put the onus on the back of the American taxpayer for loans that are not going to be paid off. Those loans will go belly up, and then the American taxpayer will have to foot the cost again. We know this because it just happened like five minutes ago. So we're going to go right back to that well. But again, this is part of Kamala Harris's plan to steal away black support from Joe Biden in the Democratic primaries. Okay, now there are a couple of other candidates who are still in this race. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are still in this race. According to the Real Clear Politics polling average, Harris has moved slightly ahead of Sanders. Warren is slightly behind Sanders, but basically they are all at parity. And as I suggested, the polls have them at really weird variable leads. 
So according to The Economist poll, Elizabeth Warren is currently in second, just four points behind Joe Biden. According to ABC News, Bernie Sanders is in second, about 11 points behind Joe Biden. According to Quinnipiac, it is Kamala Harris who is in second, about two points behind Joe Biden. So it's all over the place, but it's pretty obvious that the second tier of candidates is Harris and Sanders and Warren. So Elizabeth Warren is trying to do the same thing. Elizabeth Warren is trying to carve into, into Joe Biden's black base of support. She's going to have way less success because she can't play the race card in the same way that Kamala Harris is playing the race card against Joe Biden. I have a housing plan to build 3.2 million new housing units in this country and to address the generational impact of redlining that our government used to discriminate against black citizens. I have a plan to deal with the maternal health crisis in this country, that black women are dying at three and four times the rate of white women. It's time for some accountability in this system. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren is not going to win the nomination. Okay, she's just not going to. She does not have the appeal to black voters that Kamala Harris does, and it's going to be a serious problem for, uh, it's gonna be a serious problem for Elizabeth Warren. It doesn't have the same pitch. She can't do the pandering, lying routine that Kamala Harris did. She can't say, I'm in the line of, uh, of, of various black heroes, Rosa Parks and Maya Angelou. She can't do that. So instead, it's, I have a plan. Here's a bunch of stuff I'm going to give you. Fail, fail. Okay, and then there is Bernie Sanders. And Sanders at least knows where he stands. Bernie Sanders isn't trying to make a pitch for black voters basically at all. Bernie Sanders is just going to be a socialist as he wants to be and then hope that he has enough white support to outpace, to outpace Bernie Sanders and, and Kamala Harris he basically hopes that they fight for black support and that he kind of soars over the top with his solid base of white support. He is fighting Elizabeth Warren for that base right now. Here's Bernie Sanders explaining that every teacher should earn at least $60,000 per year. Let's talk about it. Go, Bernie. Every teacher in America should earn at least $60,000 a year. Okay, so I have a question. Why 60000 Why not 600000 Aren't teachers the greatest among us? Don't teachers deserve more than that? Why $60,000 a year? Now, I, I, because we can't afford it, right? I mean, that's the idea. We can't afford it. But what makes you think that we can afford $60,000 a year for a teacher? Wouldn't the market decide what exactly that bears? The truth is that if we didn't have teachers unions in America's public schools that were creating terrible contracts for students in school districts, I'm sure there would be teachers paid $100,000 a year or $150,000 a year. In other words, performance would decide how you get paid in the public schools as opposed to tenure. You wouldn't be the oldest teacher at the school and therefore you get paid the most. You wouldn't be at the best school and therefore get paid the most. You'd presumably be at some of the worst schools and get paid more because it's a harder job. Wouldn't that be the way to do it? But I do love it when socialists like Bernie Sanders simply throw out prices as though he knows what the hell he's talking about. One of the, the great sort of vanities of the socialist project is saying that the supply demand profit system is a bad way of determining value and then using the values created by that profit system, by that supply and demand system, and using it as the basis for your demands. So what I mean is, how does Bernie Sanders know what the price of a teacher should be? If I just said to you, in a vacuum, what's the price of a teacher? You can't look at any of the prices, you don't know what anyone has paid. You'd have no idea, right? It's like me saying, what's the price of a bleh? You wouldn't know, because there's no such thing as a bleh, except for everything that AOC says. But there, if, I, if I name a product, that does not exist, you can't tell me the price of it because you have no basis for comparison. When Bernie Sanders says a teacher should be paid $60,000 a year, 
The only reason he knows to say that is because teachers are getting paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $60,000 a year, $50,000 or $45,000. The point is, that is part of a supply and demand system he completely rejects and a profit-based system he completely rejects. So he's just pulling numbers out of thin air and then saying it's not fair if the market doesn't meet his bizarre notion of what people should be paid, even though he's never run a taco stand, Bernie Sanders. So, but at least he's got his pitch. So right now, as Joe Biden fades, it's pretty obvious that his support is bleeding over to Kamala Harris, not to Elizabeth Warren, and not really to Bernie Sanders. So you have to put Kamala Harris as the odds-on favorite to win the nomination, as cynical and terrible as that is right now. As cynical, and it is really, really cynical. Incredibly cynical. And meanwhile, in the Republican Party, there was a bit of chaos over the last week while I was away. Justin Amash of the, Justin Amash, I think it is pronounced. The, the Amash, thank you. The libertarian slash Republican congressperson. He's not a Republican anymore. Congressperson from Michigan. We've had him on the radio show before. I actually like a lot of what Justin Amash has to say, but he said he is leaving the Republican Party. Now, supposedly, originally, he was leaving because he was just so, so disgusted with their treatment of President Trump. He did say over the weekend he would leave the GOP even if Trump weren't president, which is a bizarre statement for somebody who was elected as a Republican. Here is Amash. Do you think you would be leaving the Republican Party if Donald Trump were not president? Yes, I do. And uh, I've had concerns with the Republican Party for several years. I've had concerns with the party system generally. When I first got to Congress, I thought I could change things from the inside. But as I've spent time there, I've seen that uh, not only me, I don't think there's anyone in there who can change the system. Um, it's pretty uh, rigid. It's top down. Uh, it comes down from leadership to the bottom. And um, over the years, it's gotten more rigid. Now, what's hilarious about this is that Amash leaving the Republican Party and declaring himself independent. Donald Trump is mad about this. He's tweeting about how bad this is. If Amash does leave and he's left, if he decides to run for the Libertarian Party nomination, which is quite likely at this point, if he runs for the Libertarian Party nomination and runs as a Libertarian, the vast majority of votes he's going to draw are not going to be drawn from the Republican Party. Trump's level of popularity among Republicans is very high. In fact, Amash could be one of the best things that happens to Donald Trump in the 2020 election, because Trump has the luck of the devil. And the fact is that Amash could draw more votes from Democrats in Michigan than he draws from Republicans in Michigan, leading President Trump to win Michigan again. So maybe this all ends up as a benefit for President Trump in the end anyway. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like over the holiday weekend, I got to read Rich Cohn's new book. Rich Cohn is one of my favorite authors. He's written about everything from the 1985 Chicago Bears to Jewish gangsters. He has a book called Tough Jews about Jewish gangsters from New York. Really terrific writer. He has a new piece of pop history called The Last Pirate of New York, A Ghost Ship, A Killer, and the Birth of a Gangster Nation, all about the last pirate hanged in the United States. And the book is really fun. It's, it's a quick, breezy read. Rich is a terrific writer. So go check it out. The Last Pirate of New York, A Ghost Ship, A Killer, and the Birth of a Gangster Nation. I recommended it to Politico as well. Rich is incredibly talented, and, uh, and I really enjoy his stuff. So that is definitely worth the summer read. Okay, now it is time for a bevy of things that I hate. I was away for a week, guys. Oh, man, so many things that I hate today. Yeah, you're waiting for the hate. And so here it comes. Okay, let's begin with this piece of idiocy. So there's an article in the New York Times called Do Americans Need Air Conditioning? Yes, yes, Americans need air conditioning. It is one of the more irritating aspects of modern life that all the benefits of modern life that we enjoy, we now get to sit back and say, you know what, maybe we don't need those benefits anymore. Let's go back to the old ways when we didn't have air conditioning. 
And tens of thousands of people died of heat stroke every year. I remember a few years back, it's like 2005, I believe there's a heat wave in France and there wasn't enough air conditioning in France. And 10,000 elderly people died in France because of the heat wave in France. It turns out that the earth is trying to kill you. And one of the ways that you defend yourself from the earth is to build a shelter. And within that shelter, to have some climate control. In fact, one of the leading causes of the rise in productivity in the American South in the 20th century was the advent of air conditioning. Because it turned out it was very difficult to work in hot, humid, sticky conditions. And once air conditioning became prevalent in the American South, it allowed people to work for longer hours. It allowed people to work at their desks without falling apart. Climate has an impact on human behavior. There's a woman named Taylor Lawrence who tweeted out over the weekend that air conditioning was sexist and bigoted because men keep the thermostat too low and that she gets sick every time the AC is on. Okay, first of all, a couple things. One, air conditioning does not make you sick. Climate does not make you sick. Okay, germs make you sick. You don't get sick if it's too cold outside. You don't get sick if it's too warm outside. That's just people misattributing the nature of illness. Also, Air conditioning has bettered the lives of hundreds of millions of people and saved tens of thousands of lives. Nonetheless, the New York Times, from its air-conditioned offices in New York, has a piece called Do Americans Need Air Conditioning? Summer's great indoor temperature debate rages on. Penelope Green writing, Modernity was born 116 years, 11 months, two weeks, and two days ago at a printing plant in the East Williamsburg section of Brooklyn when a junior engineer named Willis Carrier devised a contraption that blew air over water-filled pipes to dry out the humidity that was gumming up the pages of a humor magazine called Judge. And in that moment, well, within a few decades, entire industries and geographies were transformed. New technologies made possible, including, terribly, the internet. Without cooling, there would be no server farms. Nearly 90% of American households now have some form of air conditioning, more than any other country in the world except Japan. Though that will change as global warming alters more temperate zones, and swelling populations and rising incomes in hot zones mean the folks there will clamor for AC too. On an overheated planet, air conditioning becomes more and more desirable, solving in the short term the problem it helped create. It is another paradox that even as architects and engineers are making ever more efficient buildings to meet energy standards set by cities like New York, where a new law says that buildings over 25,000 square feet must reduce their carbon emissions by 80% by 2050, we are still freezing in our offices and fighting with our partners over whether to turn on the Friedrich. My God, I mean, the, the amount of fighting and brutality. Okay, quick rule. I know there are a lot of women who complain that men keep the office temperature too low. I have this problem in my home. At night, my wife wants the temperature in the house higher, and I want the temperature in the house lower. There's a difference. The difference is that I cannot strip down to my T-shirt at the office if I am in an office where people wear suits. You can put on a sweater. So if, if, it's going, if we're going to choose between too hot and too cold, too cold is the proper solution. That is not sexist. That is basic logic unless you want men stripping down to their underoos, which presumably you don't want in an office environment. Parts of Germany and France were recently steaming through record temperatures. During last week's heat wave, police officers in Paris used tear gas on climate change protesters while I was southbound on Amtrak's Northeast Regional, shivering in the quiet car, rugged up in a scarf, jacket, long pants, and boots. So were my fellow travelers like Solange Singer, a 41-year-old fashion stylist muffled in similar gear with a red wool scarf laid out in her lap like a blanket. The conductor seemed puzzled when I asked him what temperature the thermostat was set to. There is no thermostat, he said. It's either off or on. Fire, as the saying goes, made us human. Does air conditioning make us less so? Well, it makes you less dead. It makes you less dead. It turns out lack of air conditioning kills people. But people are very upset about this now. So the New York Times has the luxury environmentalism and worries about the thermostat. These are luxuries of a first world nation. Mark Feeney, a culture critic at the Boston Globe, which is a hell of a, hell of a career, 
He says, think about that term, air conditioning. Do you want to condition your air? Yes. Yes, I do. Because you know what I don't want to do? I live in SoCal. I remember a few years back, the transformer blew on the street where my parents lived. It was on a Saturday, so we couldn't even get in the car. It was a Shabbat. We couldn't even get in the car and drive to a place that was air conditioned. It was 105 degrees in the valley that day. It was hellish. It was hellish. You know what would have been great? A functional air conditioner. Do you want to condition your air? Yes, you want to condition your air. God, these people. Your skin maybe or your hair. I'm a vegetarian, but I didn't become one for any specific reason. It just happened. But there are all sorts of good ex post facto reasons for not eating meat. Same with AC. If you modify your actions, it's good for the planet. It's good for everyone. Also, I'm a lapsed Catholic and I'm Irish, so I need a certain degree of self-imposed suffering in my life, and I guess this qualified. Well, that's, that, that's really what is going on here. Truthfully, that's a throwaway line. It's a joke, I understand. It is also what's going on here. There's a new secular religion of environmentalism where you are supposed to sacrifice to the great God of the climate by not having air conditioning in your home. Good luck with that. You want it, it's all yours. Because guess what? No one else is going along with you. No one else is going along with you that we should get rid of air conditioning. It's, this, this is all so stupid and so arrogant. But I guess everything, we're going to make everything that is non-controversial something controversial. This is what happened while I was gone. Right? We decided that we were going to turn the Betsy Ross flag controversial for no reason. Betsy Ross was a Quaker abolitionist. She was an anti-slavery activist. But apparently the Betsy Ross flag became deeply controversial because a failed NFL quarterback and a person whose record on politics is worse than his record in the National Football League. That guy says he has a problem with the Betsy Ross flag, and so it becomes a national controversy. So now we're going to have discussions over air conditioning. All I can say is, lady, you go first. If you want to get rid of air conditioning, you can swelter it out in 85-degree humidity in New York City during the summer. Enjoy yourself. That is all you. But we're going to make everything controversial. There's a problem in our country, and the problem is that things are so good and we are so angry that we are now looking at stupid things to be angry about. Jonah Goldberg had a column over the weekend where he basically said America has autoimmune disease, that there are not enough pathogens in the body politic for us to attack, so we are creating pathogens out of healthy organs just to attack. So we're going to attack air conditioning or we're going to attack the Betsy Ross flag. And that was what happened while I was gone. Now, listen, Nike can do whatever it wants. It's a private corporation. With that said, it's really dumb in the long term. Now, it's, it's smart short term. Nike actually gained stock share, the share price, after they made this decision about getting rid of the sneakers with the Betsy Ross flag. And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is because by statistics, Black folks in America are more sympathetic to Colin Kaepernick's wild and extreme political claims, and they also happen to buy more shoes. The stock prices went up for Nike. This has been true since they signed Colin Kaepernick. That's why Nike's doing what they're doing. If you think that they sort of mistaked their way into this, that is not true. They did this on purpose. They decided to get woke because they wanted to make money. This is why corporations do this sort of stuff during Gay Pride Month. They decide they're all going to virtue signal because they understand that the people who are attracted to their brand by the virtue signaling outnumber the people who are alienated from their brand by the virtue signaling, and they figure that there's no other place to go. What, are you going to stop going to Target because they have a couple of displays for Gay Pride Month or something? But if you're gay, or if you're very sympathetic to Gay Pride Month, then you're more likely to feel good about shopping at Target because they're virtue signaling to you. Nike does the same thing. But the whole goal here is to make things controversial that are really uncontroversial. This is the routine. And speaking of that, they decided over the weekend that they were going to make controversial having like a tank at a July 4th parade in Washington, D.C. A couple of things. Tanks are kind of cool. 
I understand you hate Trump and everything, but tanks are pretty cool. And we have Blue Angels flyovers all the time at July 4th events. You know what's more powerful than a tank in today's day and age? A stealth bomber. There are lots of things more powerful than a tank if you had to face the two up against each other and you were just showing powerful military weaponry. We show those military weapons on a fairly routine basis. We weren't marching nuclear missiles through the streets of Washington, D.C. Nonetheless, we decided to make this controversial, too. Here's a CNN anchor worrying that Trump's July 4th speech was too militaristic because he had the temerity to talk about how great the American military was. It sounded very, very different from the typical Trump rallies that are often broadcast uh, on, on cable news. Um, but that showcase of the military hardware that we're showing pictures of here, some would say it, it overemphasized America's military might. And it underplayed the American values that have been used to justify the use of force. Yeah. And so that is something that the president will be criticized on. Oh, is that something he will be criticized on? Or is that something you're criticizing him on right now? Like, this very instant. Everything becomes controversial in a nation where a bunch of stuff shouldn't be controversial. Another example, apparently in the week that I was gone, people decided that apparently there's a vast swath of Americans who are deeply, profoundly upset that Disney has cast a black actress to play Ariel in the new live action Disney remake of The Little Mermaid. First of all, this is better evidence to me, this whole story is better evidence to me that Disney has no new ideas, that they keep remaking all of their old movies scene for scene. That's the only evidence I see. But they decided that they were going to, like everyone in the media decided it was a massive issue that Americans were out in the streets protesting because Ariel, who is white and redheaded in the animated film, will now be black and redheaded in the non-animated film. There was not a single blue checkmark person on Twitter who commented about this because no one actually cares about this stuff. No one seriously cares about this stuff. There may be a species of fan person Fangirls, really, because that's really who likes The Little Mermaid, who want The Little Mermaid to look like she looked in the animated flick, which is not racist, by the way. That is just, I grew up with a particular image of The Little Mermaid, and all the other animated films reflect that image, right? The new Mulan live-action film has a person who looks like Mulan in the animated film. It's not racist to say, what if the person in the live film looked like the person in the animated film, no matter how they looked, right? They're not going to cast Tiana as white, presumably, when they remake The Princess and the Frog. But apparently... There was like, there were two people on Twitter who were like, we cannot have a black Ariel. No, no, like the number of people, this is what we call nut picking. Okay, nut picking is what you do online when you try to find somebody with a crazy opinion, specifically so that you can make them the sort of advocate for the entire other side of the aisle. No one cared. It trended on Twitter anyway. It trended on Twitter anyway. So we're going to make everything controversial. Everything is going to be controversial because what, we're bored? because we're too prosperous. Air conditioning is controversial. The, the, the Betsy Ross flag, which flew at Barack Obama's inauguration, is apparently now controversial and symbolizes slavery, even though it was Union troops fighting slavery who carried that into battle. That's, the, that's controversial. Black Ariel is controversial. Everything is controversial. Tanks at parades for July 4th, that's con like everything is controversial now. How about this? How about we all calm down? How about we all recognize that half the stuff we think is controversial no one cares about. I don't think that's going to happen, though. And that's why I think Joe Biden is in trouble in this race, because Joe Biden is running a back to normalcy campaign in a time where his party does not want to return to normalcy and where it's unclear that the American people want to return to normalcy. For all the talk about the American people being you know, deeply dispossessed by Donald Trump's oddities, the truth is that the American people might just be pissed off for a variety of reasons, including, I think, a sort of 
spiritual emptying out of all the things that used to unify us. And so now we're just creating random controversies to attack each other over. That was the story of the last week as I see it from afar anyway. All right, so we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Plus, we'll be back here tomorrow. Welcome back. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer, Jeremy Boring, senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey, everyone. It's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, that Donald Trump, he may not be the nicest guy in the world, but through his belligerence and his indifference to the brutal slanders of the Democrat media complex, he has made a place for his followers, the deplorables, to reinvent American patriotism. It's a beautiful thing to see, and the left's reaction is as ugly as you can imagine. We'll talk about it on The Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Rancher subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying mRNO to mRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from mRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say mRNO to mRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to GoodRanchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DAILYWIRE at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free Heritage Ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers Lifetime Quality Commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DAILYWIRE.